This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Take with the mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity mate, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be with you again. How was your Friday night? I was pretty quiet, to be honest. Um, down here Watch in Melbourne. Footy. Watch the footy. Uh, yeah. What do I mean, you think of the game? Carlton Collingwood. Uh, I just don't really care about either of those teams, to be honest. Yeah. I'm oh, in Melbourne, uh, so I should care more, but... I just don't. Nah. Well, you're a Sydney <laughs> fan. Come on. Yeah, I am. Sydney GWS tonight. Big game. That's a game I care about. I'm looking forward to it. Who do you reckon is going to get up? I I shouldn't be admitting this, but I've tipped GWS. Yeah, same. But oh, I think Buddy's going to fire. Well, my, my tip for the grand final is GWS Port. So, wow, yeah. you're calling it early. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> Who's the winner? GWS. Wow. Yeah. They say that every year. They never make it. Every year. They're another year older. They're another year wiser. They're another year fitter and oh, they're all just well. they've got so much talent their, their twos could beat Carlton interesting <laughs> alright well here we are with our 15 minutes or less learn to invest in 15 minutes or less Ren so we're going to keep it short and sharp so Ren back with our 15 minutes or less we've been pushing the boundaries with that uh, over the last few episodes so we're going to try and make it short and sweet this week aren't we yeah definitely <laughs> I'll take most of the blame for the last couple of episodes so we're going to come in with the basics 101 and talk about an IPO an initial public offering. There's been a couple of big ones in the media recently, um, and I'm not sure if you guys would have heard about it or not, but we're going to discuss Spotify and Dropbox. So, Ren, IPO, what is it? What do they mean? And what does it mean for an investor to begin with? What, what, what does it mean for you and I? So, what it means for you and I is that we have the opportunity to buy shares in some of these companies. What it means for the companies is they go from being privately held to being publicly held. So they, yeah. they're openly traded every day on the public stock exchange. Yes. So does every company go through an IPO at some point in their tenure? Uh, no. So it's it's completely voluntary. It's up to the company. Um, a lot of companies do it. Uh, it's a way to exit, I guess. So when you think about the growth of a company, you know, someone has a great idea. Early, early on, people invest in that idea and the company grows. Those early investors, they need an opportunity to 
to profit from that investment. One way is for the company to be bought by a bigger company uh, and then the early investors get paid. Or another one is for the company to become a public company and then uh, the early investors can sell their shares on the public market. So in that way, a lot of companies when they're sort of ready, when they're big enough, when they're in a dominant position in their industry, they do an IPO. Yeah. The other one, which is probably more common in Australia, is when a company needs to raise a lot of capital really quickly, an IPO is a really good way of doing that. Because essentially what you're doing is you're offering shares in the company to the public for the first time and the company earns that money that it gets from selling its shares. So in Australia, you get a lot of um, you know, like mining explorers. So companies that are set up to look for minerals, they'll um, float on the stock exchange to raise some capital to do something like that. Or you know, if a company wants to fund its next phase of growth. So I guess you could say Snapchat, at least in what it was saying, it it decided it wanted to go from the photo app to making cameras and hardware and its IPO gave it a lot of money to do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that really, that Snapchat one really was true or it was just bluster. But anyway, um, (laughs) it wasn't a success. (laughs) It wasn't a success. Yeah. So yeah, to sum all that up, an IPO is the first time that a stock of a private company is offered to the public. Recently, we've had two big ones in the media. I'm sure there's been many more, but these two are probably two big tech companies that uh, in the States have have gone through an IPO. Uh, The first being Dropbox. Essentially, it's a cloud storage platform that allows you to share and store all of your data and files in the cloud. And they decided to go public for the exact reason that you were talking about rent or try and raise some capital. So the way that IPOs work is that they are listed at a certain price that is determined usually by the underwriter or the investment bank at the time that is offering the IPO. And in this case, Dropbox opened at, uh, well not opened, but their listing price was $21. So that that was the guide that uh, the investment bank gave and they actually closed the day at $28. So what that means is on the day that they decided to go public, uh, everyone who bought in prior to the IPO, is that right, Ren? They bought in prior at $21? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Some, some buy in lower. So there's usually a, a target range, but then on the opening day, that they're aiming for an open at that $21 mark. Yeah. Yeah, so their range was $18 to 21 I think. Or initially, it was actually 17 to 19 I think. And then they upped it close to the time. So the impact that this has on the company is obviously it changes the valuation of the company. So say if they were doing a range of 17 to $19, you would times that by the shares on issue. And that would give you the valuation of the company as we've discussed in many episodes. So they actually increased their range and by doing so, increased the value of their company. So they finished the day at $28, raising nearly a billion dollars in capital for them to go and deploy however they see fit. Yeah, so it's probably worth saying though that the company makes the money on selling the shares pre-IPO. Once the company is traded on the open market, they're all secondary transactions. So they're all investors selling to other investors. So as the share price increases, the company isn't making money on no, those increases. It's only becoming, it's, it's, it's increasing in value. That would be the only yeah, thing that's really and, happening to it. And later down the line, if it wants to sell more shares of its company, it can sell those shares at a higher price. So there's obviously mm-hmm. a benefit to the company. But if I'm buying shares off you at a higher price than the company sold shares to you, then mm-hmm. me paying a higher price to you doesn't benefit the company directly in any way. No. And you raised a good point there. So most of the, well, all of the shares are sold prior to the direct shares are sold prior to the opening and then as you said it's all second hand 
market. So I guess the question is then for you and I, how do we get involved in an IPO? Could we have got involved in Dropbox if we wanted? And how do we get involved in an, an IPO going forward? Yeah, so you can. You just have to know. I mean, these days you can just Google how to get involved and there's generally a, a portion of shares for retail investors. So like you and I, mum and dad investors, stuff like that. There's generally a minimum. Sometimes it's five grand. Sometimes it's 10 grand and you can buy a parcel of shares. Sometimes if there's heaps of demand, um, you will miss out because there's too much demand, so it's oversubscribed. But in most cases, if you are interested in an IPO and you get in, you find out about it early enough, um, you can generally just Google how you can get in on it. Yeah, and usually through your brokerage um, platform as well, they'll obviously be supporting IPOs of various companies. And so they'll either send out an email or it'll be on your, uh, there'll be a listing of all the IPOs that they've got coming up and uh, you can just have a browse of that list and, and see what might interest you. There's something that has been quite historic uh, recently, Ren, and that is the IPO of Spotify. Before we before we get into Spotify, I just want to say one thing about Dropbox. Yeah, go for it. I I am not, I haven't invested in Dropbox. I probably won't. But I just want to say, so th- this company was founded in like 2007. Yeah. Steve Jobs tried to buy them early on and then was basically mocking them as he created iCloud to destroy them. And yeah. then um, Chris Sarka, the venture capitalist, tells this story of when he was working at Google, he sat the Dropbox founders down and basically said, you guys need to do something else. Google's going to kill you. And now Amazon and Microsoft have also created like cloud-based uh, file storage. So they're literally competing against Amazon, Apple, Google, and Microsoft. And yet somehow these guys have done well enough to have a very good IPO, like full credit to this company. Full credit to the company, but I don't don't necessarily agree with you that, I mean, they have done well from the IPO, but I don't know. I just don't think that it's going to go well long term yeah well i mean uh, yeah. that's uh, that's why i said at the start i'm not an investor the company's yeah. the company's never turned a profit um, just gonna get, yeah like what are they doing they obviously just need some cash well they make they make billions in revenue um but they just their expenses are higher so you know who knows um but I, I reckon to get to where they've got today to knock back steve jobs to beat icloud well not to beat icloud but to survive in an icloud and a google suite era full credit full credit <laughs> full credit where credit's due yeah <laughs> all right all right well, then let's move on to Spotify. And as I said, it was it's quite a historic uh, moment because it never I don't think anything like this has happened before in terms of an IPO. Not in not on the New York Stock Exchange. It has happened before. Okay. Well, do you want to explain what happened, Ren? It, the rules of the exchange had to be changed to allow this to happen. So full credit, full credit to the boys. <laughs> um, so Spotify decided to do a direct public offering rather than an initial public offering or a direct <laughs> listing. Or I don't know. Basically, what they did. So in in the case of a normal IPO, we just explained how the company sells shares of the of itself to other investors to raise money. Um, and normally it uses an investment bank. So like. Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan or you know a big investment bank like that to help sell the shares to other investors and then yeah. and then that investment bank supports um, with setting that price. Yeah. What Spotify did, they decided we don't need to raise any more capital. They they recently have raised a billion dollars, so they're set for cash. And so they decided rather than get paying an investment bank a few million dollars in fees and doing the investor roadshow and convincing people to buy shares in the company, they decided screw it. Let's just 
pick a date and just become a publicly traded company. And they, they didn't they didn't decide they didn't try and set a price floor. They didn't sell any extra shares. They just said any any investor any team member who owns shares in the company on uh, April third uh, we will be publicly traded and they can trade the shares on the stock exchange. One of the major difference with this one was that if you couldn't get involved in the, I guess, direct offering if you weren't already a private, if, if you weren't already a private shareholder. Yeah. Yeah. No extra, no extra shares were sold. No. So and then no capital was raised. No. So then what happened on April 3rd, I guess, is the question. From my understanding, they opened at 165-ish at 149. Um, the New York, because the company had given no guidance on price, um, no. what they expected. So the New York Stock Exchange itself uh, told everyone it, it would start trading at around $132, I think, off the top of my head. Somewhere yeah, around right. there. 132 yeah. Um, but then, obviously, that's just guidance from the exchange. And then, so, yeah, you're right. It opened at 165 and now it's trading at around 148 I think. So it didn't really... I, I was hoping there would just be some crazy volatility because... It, it was it was literally supply and demand. So if mm. one shareholder in the company thought the company didn't have good prospects and was willing to share at fifty sell at fifty dollars a share, then mm. that would have been the price at that moment. But then if mm. ten minutes later someone was only willing to sell at two hundred dollars a share and someone was willing to buy at that price, then in that ten minutes the price would jump from fifty dollars to two hundred dollars. So I was expecting some crazy volatility, but we didn't really well, get it. No, but I think one of the reasons is that only five percent of available only five of shares traded hands yeah and you see i think that's really telling yeah no one wants to sell who are privately invested because they probably think that the long term yeah is looking it's going to pay off yeah yeah and it's really interesting because so when you when a company does an, a normal ipo and they sell shares to other investors there's normally a three to six month lockup period where the company's founder, the CEO, the senior management aren't allowed to sell their shares. <laughs> and that's basically to protect all the new investors who have come in. Because imagine if all these new investors come in, first day of trading, sell. all the executives in the company just sell all their shares and then see just like, see you later. Yeah. yeah. But when you when Spotify does it this way, there's no lockup period. So all of the senior management could have sold on day one. Yeah. But the fact that only 5% of the shares were traded um, is probably a good sign that the senior management are holding onto their shares. They're not trying to cash out mm. um, and it shows they're probably bullish about the future. Yeah. Well, they'd all be worth a fortune after this. One of the big winners was actually Sony. So they owned 5.7% of Spotify and decided to sell 20% of that 5.7% for just under 200 million. Wow. Um, that's not so bad. yeah. So if they were to sell their full 5%, I think they'd be walking away with about a billion dollars in profit. Um, so they've done very well. If you want to read more about Spotify and direct public offerings, we've got a blog post up on our website about it, yep. equitymates.com. So check that out. Yes. One of the one thing I also want to mention is the the risks, I guess would of you would call them risks or one of the maybe downsides in some people's eyes of going public and doing an IPO is obviously that you need to become much more transparent to the public with your uh, financial history and also uh, your financial reporting and also sometimes the argument for going uh, public is uh, well argument against going public I should say is that it sometimes forces uh, companies to sh think in the short term rather than the longer term to appease uh, investors and you know so that they can get some return on their money so just two shout outs to 
some risks that may be associated with going public. Yeah. I mean, you, you hear stories of CEOs who go public because they think it's the right thing and then hate it. Um, the CEO of Whole Foods, before he got bought by Amazon, apparently was hating it. John Mackey, just like quarterly reporting. Inve- like you, you, you're beholden to these big institutional investors who just want to see like, you know, short-term profit increase mm. and mm. investing for the long term sometimes becomes harder. I mean, there's mm. obviously benefits to it as well, but it, it's a double-edged sword. Mm. Yeah. So to, to wrap up, I've got a bit of a quiz for you, Ren. Okay. So, not, so not, not all companies do go public, as we said at the start. Some of the world's biggest companies are still privately held by families, particularly, you know, Mars, for example, Aldi, yeah. Lego. Uh, uh, Saudi Aramco. Saudi Aramco. Yeah, the, yeah. That's, that's the largest company in the world. I'm not just picking a random company <laughs> out of my hat. So some of them are still privately held and uh, good on the families for holding on to them. But some of the biggest companies in the world have also gone public. So I, I want to, I've got five of the biggest IPOs uh, in the States. Yeah, which you would assume is probably um, the largest in, well, some of the largest in the world. Well, actually, the top three are China. Interesting. If you were to go worldwide, the top three are Chinese companies. Chinese. And actually, Ch- the, the top four are Asian. Top top three is China. The third was on the Tokyo. And then the fourth was, uh, then the fifth was in, in the States. Really? Yeah. So, but I'm going to okay. do just, just listing in the States. Yeah, sounds good. So, what do you reckon number one is? And when, when was it? I'll give you a hint then. There's nothing. Well, it's 2001 yeah, or okay, later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll say 2001 or later. And they're not necessarily American companies, but it was listed in America. Yeah, okay. Uh, Alibaba? Bang. Yes. Number one? <laughs> Nailed it. Nice. Yes, number one. September 18, 2014, $25 billion they raised from their their, uh, wow. their IPO. So Alibaba, number one. Number two, can you get it? 2008, they raised $17.9 billion. Do you know who it is? Is. It's a tough time to do an IPO. Uh, Facebook? No. So they came in at number three with $16 billion uh, in 2012. So number two was Visa. Oh, wow. 2008, yeah, $17.9 billion. They're just one of those companies I would have assumed were just always public. You yeah. Know, like long yeah. history. There you well, go. This one will probably think, this one will probably be the same along those lines. Uh, so this was 2010, $15.8 billion, so almost beat Facebook. Uh, do you know who that one would be? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Number four. Can, can you give me, so one, a, give me a hint? Like, Okay, it's in the auto- automobile industry. Oh, it's not Tesla, is it? No. No, good. <laughs> um, but an older company, like much older. Uh, Ford? No, GM. Oh, okay. There you go. GM, yeah. And 2001, coming at number five, $8.7 billion was Kraft. Oh, okay. Wouldn't have got that. There you go. Kraft. Now Kraft Heinz, owned by Warren Buffett. All right, guys. Well, that's an IPO, Basics 101. I hope you learned something. Um, if you, as I said, look into your into your brokerage platforms to see what IPOs they might be offering this year and uh, get around. It's a great opportunity to get into some companies early on in the piece. Yeah. Um, Equity Mates but- IPO coming 2021. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Equity Mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.